What's going on, Golf Addicts? This is going to be a fun episode because we've got the guy on the PGA Tour. He's a caddy, full-time on the PGA Tour, building a sports betting brand. I'm talking about Dynamite Dean Emerson. You've probably seen him on Instagram. Everybody knows him on the PGA Tour. We're going to talk to him about how he built that gambling brand, getting into caddying on the PGA Tour, growing up in Boston or near Boston and gambling in high school, unknown factors when it comes to betting on golf and why Dean thinks, wow, we are incredibly nuts for trying to do this all the time. He's going to drop some college football bets for Saturday. Dean is going to become a staple in our Discord going forward. He's already got a channel set up in Discord for his bets. He's dropping bets every single week, every sport. Uh, he's been doing it since he was 14. He's 50-something years old. He's an amazing guy. He knows what he's doing. You're going to want to tail Dean in the Discord all year long. His own channel is in there. You can subscribe to it under Dynamite Picks. And he's also going to be helping us all throughout the season in terms of the golf courses, conditions, weather, all of those factors that come into play every single week on the PJ Tour because you know why? He's going to be out there most of the season. So I think you're going to enjoy it. You need to check out the Discord if you haven't already. The link is in the description here below. I'm also going to go ahead and drop Dean's Instagram handle. You should follow him there. And um, yeah, you're going to enjoy this episode. Without further ado, here's Dynamite Dean. All right, Golf Addicts, pumped to bring an interview that's long overdue because, you know, it's like the tour junkies, we love we love golf, obviously. We love gambling. We love caddies. So why would we not have already had the, like, number one gambling caddy, you know, handicapping, dynamite-blowing, stick-mother-effing, Boston strong Dean Emerson on the show. Dean, Dynamite Dean, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, DB. Thanks for having me. I, I don't know if I'm I'm probably the most outspoken gambling <laughs> golf caddy, but there's certainly other ones that bet a lot more than I do. Yeah, that's true. I divulge any names, but uh, yeah, they're, they're out there. That is true. I do know of a few of those too. But you you are the one that uh, that kind of you're a content guy too. Like you're 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 good at what you do. Uh, if people don't know, like I guess tell them a little bit about. Uh, we'll get into kind of the more in depth side of of your of. Uh, you know, of how you got into this and, and, you know, into the caddying game, but you're, you're a Boston guy through and through. I love your accent. Um, I mean, you know, you got a Georgia boy and a Boston guy here with just thick accents. I don't know where Pat is. He said he might join, so he might pop on here at any moment, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, as far as the content um, guy, um, I started just giving out some, some picks back when COVID hit. Um, I was kind of sitting around the table as everybody else was looking for things to do. And I was talking to my wife about, um, you know, some of my picks and she's like, if you're so good, why don't you start putting them out on Instagram? <laughs> so, um, that cracks me up. Like how many guys wife would say that to begin with? Your wife sounds like a legend. But. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but, um, yeah, I started putting them out there and I said, well, geez, if I knew how to use Instagram, I'd put them out there and she <laughs> kind of showed me how to use it. So, um, you know, fast forward three years, I'm still kind of doing it and growing the followers organically, I guess you will say, yeah. you know, but, you know, I don't really do, I just put pics out on Instagram and see what happens. So uh, we'll get, let's, now that you've, you've really leaned into the gambling thing, we'll get into the, the catting thing here in a second, but educate us on the dynamite and like where that came from your your like I, you, you'll say like one stick or a half stick I, I, i'm guessing that's a unit thing 
Yeah. You're very, you're very trademarked with this thick ass cigar you you put down regularly. Are you yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad you have that. Um I don't know, talk about talk about the brand, talk about uh the vice there, the the cigar in your hand is pretty sick. And I think my you know, I just grew up watching my dad smoke cigars and it just kinda, you know, and play golf and play cards with the boys at the club and I kinda watched him and kinda enjoyed it. Yeah. I said, Oh, I can get into that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how the cigars came about. The dynamite came about back in college. Um, I played football at a small school and we're kind of hanging around on a Sunday morning and we were all on a bad streak. And, um, you know, kind of hung over eating pizza, watching the likes of Chris Berman and, um, you know, different guys make their picks. And I came walking in and I was just like, you know, dynamite likes the new england patriots grabbing 14 against the san francisco 49 or something like that and they ended up winning the pats did they covered the line and i just kind of kept rolling with dynamite and um you know i always thought geez you could use dynamite it's like a double entendre because you could use it in a good way saying oh yeah i'm blowing up or you yeah. could use it in a bad way yeah. saying you know i'm i'm cold so yeah i thought it was a uh universal logo and um you know, you fast forward to a couple of years ago, I was I was caddying for Rob Oppenheim and I saw the branded Bill's hat, which is a really nice quality hat. Yep. And I asked the woman who represents or was repping branded Bill's, I said, can you put a dynamite stick and a golf ball together and put it on a hat? And she did. And I started wearing the hats around and people like, oh, that's a cool logo. I like it. What is it? And mm -hmm. I just saw some asshole on the Instagram giving up sports picks. And so... Uh, we started making more hats and they were selling and, um, you know, we're here today selling, selling hats and shirts and sweatshirts and things of that nature. So, yeah. And you got, you got caddies rocking the, the gear. I've seen players rock it as well. You're, you're kind of like this underground, uh, sports betting merch, merch machine on, on the PGA tour these days. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where we're headed, but it's a fine line because you, you know, as yeah. you know, these, these players are like it. It's about them. It's certainly not about me or about the caddies. Yeah. It's about them. They're the guys hitting the shots, and they're more important than than anything else. So I never want to, you know, you know, overstep my uh, my bounds. So yeah, you got to play it. Sure, play it safe. I got to ask you this too. Explain the microphone. The microphone that you have on Instagram when you watch these videos. I've never seen a microphone like it, and you mean this one right here? <laughs> this mic? Is that like a is that like a $4 Asian special that you got found somewhere? This mic right here I grabbed from uh, my wife's sister's daughter, Lily. Okay. She got it for Christmas. And I said, oh, man, I need that. I need a little mic for my sports lab. So I grabbed it from her. <laughs> it's like it's the most echoey just awful sounding mic but it it works like i i i'm like where if i see you do a video without the mic i want to know where the mic is just because it's just unique i think it works for you yeah thanks man yeah i just kind of grabbed it one day and started um just started using it and now yeah. i have it as a prop i got the cigar as a prop and then of course the oven mitt when uh mm. when i get hot things get hot yeah yeah i don't want to burn the keys on the keyboard you know that Sure. So talk to me about, um, we'll get back into the betting thing. We're going to jump around here 
So how do you wind up a caddy on the PGA Tour? What's what's your story? We've talked to a bunch of caddies over the years, and there's a lot of different ones, a lot of wild ones. Always like to know that. It's funny where life puts you. I was was looking for a job, and um, I'm going to try and make this as short as possible. But I was looking for a job. I was working for Pfizer, got laid off. I was in sales. And uh, one of my buddies was in the lab diagnostics business. And we said, we, he said, we have an open territory down, down in North Carolina. So I packed up my truck, drove down to North Carolina and started selling this lab diagnostic uh, test. Like it, we compete against LabCorp and Quest. Mm-hmm. And um, I drive by this golf course one day. I didn't even know it was a golf course. It was a little sign said OC on it. And uh, it stood for Old Chatham. I end up joining Old Chatham. This kid's caddying for me one day, and uh, he said, "Hey, do you mind? You want to caddy for me in the Northeast Dam? I know you live up there near Rhode Island." I said, "Sure." So I end up caddying for the kid. He finishes sixth. About a month and a half later, he's playing in the USAM. He says, "You want to caddy for me out there?" I said, "Sure." His name was Doc Redmond. He ended up winning the USAM. So that was like my second or third time no, ever well, caddying. I've never caddied before. I was going to say, have you had you ever caddied before? No. No, and you know, in those events, you can use the uh, the range yeah. finder, the shooter. Yeah. So, you know, I basically just hand him that stuff, hand him the shooter, give him some yeah. water, and he ended up winning the USAM. And um, fast forward, I run into Rob Oppenheim, who's a local guy. He's from Massachusetts. He said, "Do you want to do the Corn Ferry Finals with me?" And that's when the top twenty-five guys got their card. I said, "Sure." So, I end up caddying for Rob. He gets his card. And what he was says, this? What year was that? uh 19 2019 and he said uh he got his card he said the bag's yours if you want it and so that's how i got the caddy on the pga tour i mean did you literally caddy one event of the corn ferry tour and that's it no we did four we did four events you know that's when they had the four playoff events and Mm. he finished in the top 25 so um yeah so that's how i ended up caddy on the pga tour then rob you know we had the covid year so it was 2019 um and 2020 and then um in 21 i think i think we got an extra year because of covid anyways i was with rob for two years on the pga and i got a call from um jeremy elliott who happened to be representing uh davis thompson and um who i had met jeremy when agencies were pitching doc redmond to turn pro so i flew down to clemson sat in on those meetings with doc Met Jeremy. He kept my number. I don't know why or how. Or three years later, he calls me and says, um, "I just signed a really good player, thinking of having you caddy for him." And I was like, "Well, I really can't because I'm with Rob, and it's the beginning of January. This was 2020." And so um, it just so happened that Rob was playing was not playing in the Sanderson Farms tournament, and I asked him, "Would you mind if I caddied for Davis?" And I did. And I just stayed with Davis for the next two years, which was Corn Ferry. And then this year, 2023, where he was a rookie on the PGA Tour. Hope that makes sense. It was kind yeah, of a yeah, it did. So what was the first, first PGA Tour event you ever caddied in? The first one was the um, RBC. It was with Doc Redman right after the Masters. Doc turned pro. He played okay. the Masters as an amateur, yeah. turned pro at the RBC. So that was my very first. Um, but you weren't technically full-time caddy no. at that point. No, no. As a matter of fact, I have a funny story. He's, he has a, um, like this putting aid and it's like, um, 
sight line or eye line. It's mm-hmm. like a little device. I don't use devices. I just get on the putting green and yeah. you know, <laughs> knock a few around. He said, I'd like a, he shows up at the tournament on Thursdays. Like, uh, just set this up. I'd like it, you know, to be like eight feet right to left putt. And this is on the practice screen, you know, and I'm strutting around DJ, Zach Johnson. Yeah. So <laughs> I set up this aid. He goes in, comes back out, and he walks up to the aid. He's like, yeah, that's backwards. So, like, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Uh, listen, dude, you, you understood what you were getting out here. I mean, I, I was a sales guy. You pulled me off the street. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, so from, the, from that tournament to your next PGA Tour event, when was that? Like, your next? Yeah. So, there was, there was some time in between that, like, years or a year and a half. When you show up to the one at the Heritage, are you are you? Because like I, w- I would imagine, maybe if I if I if I knew that I'm now a PGA Tour caddy full time with this dude on this bag, there actually might be more pressure because I'm like I got to figure stuff out and I gotta I gotta learn the ways of the you know how I do things, the unwritten rules, the written rules, and um, you know I got to get this right. But if if you if you just feel like this is kind of a one and done situation or you're not really sure, maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off. The- which what did it feel like for you at the at the heritage? Yeah, absolutely. I, if I look back now, I think, geez, I was you know kind of same as being at the USAM. Like I'm just kind of looking at all these. Yeah, you're you know, just Riviera. Kind of- I'm just kind of hanging out, looking at all these mansions, and you know, paying attention, but you know, really not much stress or pressure. Yeah. And then you you know you fast forward to now and and being you know this is this is their livelihood. Like you yeah. can't you got to be on point all the time and you know the littlest thing could sit let's say you don't have water in the bag or you know um yeah one little thing could set your player off and you know you didn't thaw out you didn't didn't thaw out the uncrustable enough but now yeah i mean it could be anything could be anything (laughs) you know it's uh you just never know your job is to keep these guys relaxed happy uh and positive and performing well and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that so yeah, yeah, looking back, it's like, geez, I wasn't really, you know, nervous or I didn't have the anxiety that I feel sometimes now. It's yeah, it's quite a change. What is it? So what is it like then? Fast forward now. Now you're on a bag full time. I'm I'm assuming for Rob Oppenheim at this point, and you realize I, I'm going to be a caddy on the PJ Tour. Like this is my job now, uh, indefinitely. H- how does it? Like where do you start as a caddy? your first event when you're trying to, like I just said, figure out the unwritten rules, understand where you can go, where you can't go, what you can do, what you can't do. And like, how do you get in? Because like the caddies, the, the caddies are such a great fraternity and we know a lot of them. And I've, I've been in caddy dining before and hung out in there and it's like, it's awesome. But I, I, how do you get in? You know, like what did you yeah. do? And what was it like for you? I mean, as far as, you know, getting in and being a part of that fraternity, um, you know, there was a, a lot of tournaments just sitting alone, you know, and eventually some, somebody will come over or you're, you're playing practice rounds, Robert yeah. played practice rounds with other guys, and you're just kind of asking questions here and there, um, but mostly just listening, just sitting and listening to different things. And Rob helped me out quite a bit. He basically taught me most of the stuff that I needed to know reading yardage books and things of that nature. Um, so you just sit and listen and, you know, you befriend one guy and then, you know, next thing you know, you're sitting at a different table and 
Um, in sales, honestly, I think sales, my sales background comes in pretty handy. Yeah, I bet. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you got your player teaching you how to read a yardage book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rob's obviously a, he's a journeyman. He's yeah. 42, 43 years old and, uh, has been around the block quite a bit. So he's obviously instrumental in, in getting me to where I am now. What are the, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the water and the snacks and all that, but like, what are some things that or maybe, maybe there's nothing else you really think of, but like, what's something that most people don't understand that a caddy's doing that is a big part of what you got to do and, and, um, that you're a part of, or like kind of one of those little mistakes that you just don't want to make or that people wouldn't think about. How would you and a buddy like to spend Masters Tuesday 2024 with me and Pat on site at Augusta National Golf Club? We're going to get right back to the Dean Emerson interview here in a second. But listen, uh, you have an opportunity for you and a buddy, you and a friend, whatever, to come to Augusta with us on the practice round Tuesday 2024. All you got to do is join SoBet with our link and our code. If you've already done that since we started working with our friends at SoBet in April, you are already in, okay? But if you've not done it, click the link in the description. It should take you straight to the SoBet sign-up page. It's going to pre-fill the TJ promo code. You got to have that. And then you're going to choose whether you want a monthly membership, six-month, or annual membership. With that code, uh, the six-month and annual memberships are discounted, so you can choose that. However, at the end, when you, after you've selected your plan, when you go to check out, you can type in TJ Trial in the promo code box at the end, and it will give you the first month for free before they start billing. SoBet is the place to uh, have the best handicappers assembled on the internet all in one place. You don't have all the BS clogging up your feed like you would on Twitter. You've got handicappers over 50 for every sport imaginable and a ton for NFL and college football this fall. And of course, it's home to the Tour Junkies exclusive SoBet round robin top 40 play. Every single week, there's a PGA Tour event up almost seven units since starting in April. SoBet's the best place to go if you're betting on any sport or playing props, even DFS sites like Prop, Prize Picks, Underdog, Sleeper, all the above. So whether you're in a legal gambling state or not, it's worth it. Okay, it's a free app to check it out. You get the TJ trial, gets you the free month. Go download it today. As soon as you download it using our link, you are automatically entered into the contest, and you have to do it by October 30th when we announce the winner on the Zozo Championship podcast. And if we call your name, you get to choose a guest, and we got tickets for you to come to Augusta, hang out on Tuesday with me and Pat. Side note, if you want to double your chances, tell your buddy that you would take to do the same thing, and you guys make a pact. If one of you gets drawn, the other one brings uh, the, the, uh, the one that didn't get drawn. So there you go. So bet, sign up, check it out, click the link in the description, back to Dean Emerson. I mean, you know, the wind is always one of those things that um, people really don't factor in, is wind, pin locations. Um, I would say those two things obviously come into play quite a bit, you know, every hole, really. Um, yeah. Your player's always kind of asking you what the wind, where the wind is, and um you know, how far do we have behind the pin or in front of the pin? Um, so I would say those things are probably pretty important. What was like your first memorable, like, oh shit, I just made my first big mistake. I with the RBC, the okay. RBC. So, you know, I'm with Doc, I'm with Doc and, um, 
I I had to go to the bathroom from the get go. Like I had to. I had dude, to, I would have had the nervous shits like Noah. Like I would have been. Well, it wasn't number two. It was number one, and I held oh, it for like seven holes. And finally, I'm like, okay, doc, after you tee off, I got to use the restroom, and I'll catch up with you. So he hits his tee ball right down the middle. I go use the restroom. I run back out to the fairway. I don't do the number. I assume he's already done it. I kind of do it real quick. And he's like, okay, I got 179 in. I said, okay. Uh, oh, no. He says, I got 197 in. I said, okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. And he hits it, air mails the green, like 15 yards over the green. And he turns to me and he's like, I thought you said it was 197. And we both look and we're like, no, 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 it was 179. Mm. So that was my first introduction into like getting the numbers right and make sure, yeah. make sure that, that they're right, you know? Yeah how important they are did uh i feel like i remember doc had some success did he make the cut there uh yeah he did yeah yeah i don't know how well we finished there but um, yeah. i know that he made the cut you got paid right like he did he agree to pay you the yeah yep. okay. yeah yeah um man that's that's wild so who was like one of the first caddies that you kind of quickly like made fast friends with or, or kind of reached out and kind of helped you out more than um probably gary willens caddy um brennan little Will. yep yeah. nice uh, Butch, butchy um zach williamson doc's caddy right now because okay. eventually that's why doc didn't really you know although i would have loved to caddy for him it's not a good idea to have a rookie caddy and a rookie player. Yeah. And so his agency was like, yeah. they, you know, they asked, oh, sorry. Oh, they asked, they asked Zach um, Williamson to caddy for him. Gotcha. So then, so, so let's fast forward to Davis Thompson. Yeah. Um, we've, we've talked to Davis. He's been on this show. He's a dog, of course. He's a Georgia yeah. Bulldog. So oh, he's a huge, that. huge Georgia, huge Georgia Bulldog fan. I got uh, him a couple see. ball markers because he lost uh, the one that I gave him, so I got him a couple more. So he's a pretty quiet dude. Like, seems very quiet and reserved. That's an understatement. It is, isn't it? Like, yeah. it, um, because when we interviewed him, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that was like interview nerves or whatever. And then I met him at uh, the players, at the rookie thing at the players. Talked to him for a while, and it was a laid back vibe. And um, we had talked some, we had talked some bulldog stuff. Usually with those guys, you know, you start bringing up Georgia football, and they'll they'll open up. Yeah. And, um, and I, I could tell he opened up a little bit, but I could tell he's this is just kind of him. Um, yeah. And I don't know, like you, you seem like kind of big personality guy. Davis, not very much. Like how how was that? How was the dynamic with you and Davis? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the best analogy is kind of like, you know, you're dating a girl or a different person. You know, you've got to get to know them, know their little yeah. idiosyncrasies, what they like, what they don't like, and, and vice versa. I mean, yeah. I'm a 53-year-old guy from Lowell, Massachusetts, and he's <laughs> 23, and he's from Sea Island, Georgia, or Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. Um, kind of an odd couple. Um. On the Corn Ferry, we stayed together a few events, um, and then, you know, you kind of get to know a guy a little bit more. Yes, he's very, very quiet, very quiet. Yeah. You kind of have to be in his inner circle. Um, he's got a really good, uh, funny 
disposition, but he keeps yeah. it hidden. Yeah. You know, like his favorite shows are like Family Guy and he loves Dumb and Dumber and he loves Will Ferrell, as do I. So, you know. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, out, but outside he's, yeah, very quiet and reserved. And you know, I can't tell you how many times people would ask me, does he talk? Yeah. Does he say anything? Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah. Does, um, did you guys ever talk like any sports betting on? on oh, he does not. He doesn't bet at all. He doesn't. No, doesn't knows nothing about wagering or anything. I mean, he knows what a point spread is, but he doesn't. He doesn't bet. He doesn't gamble. Um, but he knows. He can tell you anything about Georgia football or even the SEC. I mean, he he sat there and watched press conferences like every team, every coach he watched oh, go to the podium and listen. Like he is, he's dialed yeah. into the SEC football and football in general. I mean, he's a big sports fan. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you mentioned where you're from, Lowell, Massachusetts. You said yeah. I was talking to you earlier. It's the home of uh, of of Mickey. What's his last name from the fire? Yeah. Mickey Ward. Mickey Ward. Uh, yes, the the character Mark Wahlberg portrayed in the fighter. You knew Mickey. Yep, still know him. And uh, but you but you also were starting to tell me that you you know some other folks around there, and, and you got you got a chance to to go watch the filming of Ted. Yeah, so my neighbor was Mickey O'Keefe, and he trained Mickey Ward when Mickey's brother, Dickie, went to jail. Is everybody there just named Mickey or Dickie or Slippery <laughs> Chalk? Like, what? Like, and that is like the most stereotypical. If you're like, hey, dude, what's a guy from Lowell, Massachusetts name? <laughs> like, my, one of my first three guesses would be Mickey, and yeah. I might hit it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, you got a lot of Irish folks yeah. up here in Boston, and uh, but Mickey O'Keefe was a uh, police officer here in Lowell, and he he lived near me, and we would go running every morning. And he'd be practicing his lines because he played himself in the movie. And so uh, after in the movie, was, what's that? In Ted. No, no, in in the fighter. Oh, in the fighter. Okay, in yeah. the fighter. But after the fighter was done, and they started filming Ted down in Swampscott, Massachusetts. Um, Mickey O'Keefe asked me to head down there and we were going to watch uh, Mila Kunis. She did uh, one scene. And then there was another scene we watched in Boston with um, Brad Marchand was with us and uh, he's the hockey player for the Bruins. And uh, and Mickey Ward and Lyndon Byers, we, we were all kind of watching them film Ted. So it was pretty neat. Okay, I have to, I mean, I think the most obvious question is how, how are they, how did Ted work the bear? Oh, I don't. I mean, we watched the scene where um, who's the guy that used to do talk soup? Uh, Joel McHale. Yeah, we watched the scene where Joel McHale was at his house and they were doing uh, they had the party at his house. So I don't know how they did the bear and um, obviously special effects. Yeah, yeah. The bear wasn't floating around. And I was going to say, was there, there. So was there like a bear there? No, 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 I didn't see it. I didn't see it bears. No, I would have wanted to meet. Ted the bear yeah no I, I didn't see like no animatronic bear no fake bear no no just Mila Kunis that's not a bad consolation prize you ever met Mark Wahlberg oh yeah, yeah. have you yeah yeah he was there on the set we were talking to him no way um wild story I don't want to share it here because I've shared it before and my listeners would be like geez David can we not listen to this again but I caddied for Will Ferrell oh no way yeah where 
uh, at Augusta Country Club uh, in May God. of 2007. How cool is that? I'll tell you that story off offline. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, just answer this question. Was he as funny golfing as he is, like, in his movies? He was like, absolutely, awesome. absolutely as funny, but, like, just naturally, normally just funny. Not in a mm-hmm. character way, just himself funny. But also would laugh at my jokes or other people in the group's jokes or like would laugh. He just wanted to laugh too, you know? So he yeah. wasn't like, I'm funny and nobody else is funny. Oh he man, how awesome funny. is that? I got a couple of good stories I can tell you about that. Awesome. Um, Look forward to hearing those. Um, all right. So I want to go bounce around back to the gambling thing. Yeah. I just kind of envision based on, Again, my dumb Southern stereotypes of Lowell, Massachusetts, and what you're doing. Like you come, you come out of the womb, and you're you're laying sticks, right? You're talking yeah. about you're talking about spreads and points and over unders, and you're, you're just it's just in you. Like, but tell me when it actually became a thing for you. Yeah, I started probably in high school. I think I was 14 or 15 years old. We used to have those little betting cards. Somebody used to float around, you know middle school, high school with those betting cards, you know, yeah. you put a buck or five bucks on it. And, um, that's probably where it all started. Do you remember like, like your first like big hit or your first, the, like when you like fell in love with it or did it just kind of just, it was just natural. Yeah, no, I don't really remember. I don't have this like miracle, you know, like story that. where I, you know, I do remember, I mean, I have one story I'd rather not share Cause it was, I was in that's deep. Good. I was in deep. I was uh, I was down quite a bit, and I don't do parlays. And this is probably why. I mean, I've learned not to play those because I just think they're 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 not a high percentage play. So, but I was down deep. I was in high school, and I end up. This was before you would enter your bets online. Right. I actually called, and the guy had a machine, so you could leave your bet on the machine. And I did like a ten stick parlay with the greatest show on turf. And it was like St. Louis in the over against some, I think it was the Houston uh, Oilers at the time. And uh, luckily enough, it hit and I got back hole. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was probably my biggest play where I dug myself out of a deep, deep hole. <laughs> what, I, fell uh, in love with, I fell in love with gambling from the get-go. I mean, was I was dad, around. Your dad, you talked about your dad, like golfing and cigars and stuff. He was a gambler too? Yeah, you know, like you'd go up there to the club with, yeah. with my dad and, you know, they'd play their golf and they'd have their Nassau going and then they'd have, you know, afterwards they'd have a bunch of beers and they'd be playing cards at the table and my seat was right next to these guys just watch, watching them play. Yeah. I love seeing the money go around. I mean, yeah, I would say that uh, that kind of influenced me a little bit. I'd love to know what that's like. I'm a member of a great golf course, but the club sucks, so that doesn't happen. Oh, um, really? Yeah, shots fired, but it is what it is. Wow um well okay what about like uh what about like the the guys on tour that mm. are that are gamblers like who are the big gamblers on tour obviously oh, this is boy. not on golf like we've had tom hoagie on me and actually we had tom hoagie on about this time last year i need to follow up with him on that we had him on this time last year and we did a full college football preview because i know what a big college football guy he is yeah and i think we went through i think we went through every team Who's he a fan of in their in their conference? TCU. Oh yeah, TCU. We went through every team in the conference. We did uh, over under win totals. He he made predictions. Oh, obviously he went over on TCU. 
Yeah. And I, here I am a Georgia fan and I don't know shit about TCU and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and then we end up playing each other in the natty. I think, I think they played, I don't remember if they played or not, but uh, I mean, yeah, I know. Georgia, they, def- they definitely played and I know why you forgot it. Yeah. It was like uh, over before it even started. Yeah. I've also heard, and now I do have to ask you this. So I, I know I'm throwing out, this is horrible interview etiquette, but I'm, so I'm going to give you like three questions in one. Number one, like gamblers on the tour. But number two, I know that Siwoo Kim is a big baseball better guy. I don't know if you know that. Um, but do you, a, a question we ask every guest, caddy, player, doesn't matter. Also, after you answer that question, do you have any Siwoo Kim encounters or stories? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, the big betters, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you walk up and down the range, you got caddies, coaches, players, TV personalities, everybody is kind of talking about who had who the night before or who they're yeah. going to play that day. I mean, yeah. there's no shortage of gamblers out there. Um, whether it's, and a lot of times it's just short money. It's yeah, you know, yeah. A half a stick here, half a stick there. And yes, a stick is a unit. I would, you know, it's all relative. For me, one stick is a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, but for a guy like Siwu, one stick could be 25,000. <laughs> <know? laughs> yeah. So I don't, you know, I personally don't know him. I just heard stories that he, he likes the action. Um, but yeah, we had an encounter with him. Rob and I were, uh, Rob Oppenheim and I were paired with him in the final round of the Wyndham in 2021. Wait a minute. This is not the year he had the lead on Sunday. Yeah. When Jim Herman won. Yeah. I, I, I've heard about this round. I want to, I can't wait to hear this story. I have goosebumps right now. I'm such, we're, we're huge Siwa Kim fans right now. Yeah. Yeah. Can't so wait we, we were paired with him and, uh, you know, he didn't say much. Vranish was on his bag. Yep. yep. Brian Vranish. And, um, you know, Rob's kind of the journeyman, the underdog guy. And there wasn't um, any fans because it was COVID. You know, there were a few people out there, but yeah. um, it seemed kind of odd. Um, but, yeah, he he can't. We, we went to the sixth hole, that downhill par four, short hole. And he took yes. driver. Yes. I cannot he, believe you were in this group. Yeah, he took driver and he and he hit it in the weeds on the right. And I'm, you know, I don't, again, I don't really, I'm not in the boys' network at this point, and I don't know Brian. I know him now pretty well, but uh, I just look at him and he goes, "Dude, that was the dumbest play." <laughs> so Steve wanted to hit it, and he hit it right into the weeds. I I still don't understand that play. I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah, he was just there was a lot of F bombs out of him. The the legend of that day is that on that hole, Brian had to convince Siwoo to keep playing. Oh, really? Yes. Mm, all I remember about that hole is him hitting driver into the weeds on the right, and we kind of went over and looked. We couldn't find it. And then that's kind of all I remember. You know, then I'm back over to my player's ball and we're kind of focused on our own game. But I didn't hear any, like, I'm all done. I'm, I'm out of here. Any of that stuff. Apparently, uh, Brian, at, once they dropped or ha- and, or, and Siwoo hit his next shot, he, he said, we go home now. <laughs> like, we're done. And Brian thought he was, like, kidding. 
And Siwoo kind of wasn't kidding. Like, he was that hot. And Brandish was like, dude, it is Sunday. You had a three-shot lead or two-shot lead at the time. You're obviously going to lose some of that lead, but this is Sunday, and you're in the you're tied for the lead at worst. Like, we make double here, and we move on. Yeah, have, you're in the sixth hole. Yeah, yeah. And, like, literally, there was a conversation about whether or not Siwoo was going to continue the round after that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. And I love the way that Brandish imitates him. Yes. Great imitation. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we were in that group. I mean, we kind of, we faded to the, uh, I think we finished 15th or something. Um, but we were right there playing with him that day. Mm-hmm. So it was a good experience. Do the guys like caddies, I'm sure they do, like caddies, players, whatever they are, are they coming up to you regularly or, or asking for, for plays or? Yeah, you know what it'd be like if I'm passing them on the side, like, you know, what's the play today? Dynamite, mm-hmm. who are you taking? Um, mm-hmm. But, um, and then a few text messages I'll get, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, because some guys don't have Instagram. So they want me to send out, you know, individually, they want me to text them. I'm like, I, yeah. I don't have time for that. You got to watch this. Well. <laughs> yeah, you got to be a follower, dude. Have, set up your, your uh, burner Instagram account, fail my stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, it, it, any any Siwoo gambling stories, or just you've heard you've heard? No, I just heard like inside the casinos, he's he's pretty aggressive. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. What's your casino game like? What's your approach when you walk in a casino? What are you doing? Yeah, you know, it's changed over the years. Like I said, I mean, I've been gambling for thirty five years. I no longer sit at these blackjack tables and go through those emotions. I'm all I, done. I, I, I'm done with blackjack myself, I, and yeah. I'm actually proud that it didn't take me that long. I I, I don't do blackjack. Yeah, no, I'm all set. So I go to the Baccarat tables now. I said, okay. I'll either go to the sports book, put in a couple of plays at the sports book, but now you can bet on your phone. So why do that? And um, and then I'll go to Baccarat and play. A lot of times I'll just walk around and just look at people. Yeah. I'm kind of done with the casinos a little bit, the table games anyway. Yeah. But if you're asking for one game, I'll go sit at the Baccarat table and play Baccarat. Okay. I've never played Baccarat. I don't know. I don't or you to. should play with Siwoo. I've, uh, uh, listen, Dynamite, it, it would be, it would be the thrill of a lifetime. It would be <laughs> the thrill of a lifetime. I think we could set that up. Siwoo knows us. I, I'll talk to you about Siwoo. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a white whale. Um, I'll talk to you about Siwoo. <laughs> um, so yeah, like my my thing at a, at the casino now is I'll either do I'll either do like I'll just go cash game, no limit hold them, and just sit oh, there yeah. for hours and just. Right. Right, I wasn't even thinking about poker, but yeah, yeah, I'll just do that. Or I still get real jazzed up and and like a little bit of action, you know, a little bit of roll of quarters in my shorts whenever I walk into a sports book because I'm in Georgia here and I can't just pick up my phone and gamble on my app, like you know. So I just get I get enamored with the sports book, or or when I get to a when I'm traveling and I'm and I show up to a a state where I can do it. Like when I was in I was in Chicago a couple weeks ago for the BMW. And like two weeks before that, I had been in Nashville for something with a spot with a, a sponsor. Yeah. And I, I, I'd been in Nashville like 36 hours and had not realized or remembered that I was in a legal state because I'm just yeah. not used to it. Yeah. And so when I finally realized, I was like, oh my God. So I, you know, I put, put down some action. And then, then I told myself like, rem- remember when you get to Chicago, you're in a legal state in a couple weeks when I, when I got off the plane, like I literally got off the plane and I had plenty of time after I got off the plane 
I went to the bathroom, and then I just sat down in the airport and just opened up my sports book. Yeah, started. You can actually do that in the bathroom too if you want. Yeah, yeah, I was doing that. I, I was, I was re logging in and you know depositing and all that stuff so yeah yeah uh, are you uh are you a fan duel or DraftKings or both or or points bet or all uh, i have well i have, I have fan duel i have DraftKings, i have mgm um okay. but i i just kind of go you know I, I definitely shop around i mean that's what we tell people you know shop around i yes. think fan duel from a golf standpoint fan offerings are usually more robust um occasionally DraftKings will will pick it up um, FanDuel's odds for finished positions and stuff are usually higher, but then BetMGM, I think, I think still does this. Doesn't uh, they don't have, they don't have dead dead heat rules, so you get the full payout in a finished position bet or something on golf um, with BetMGM. So that's nice. But other than that, like I don't really care. I'm just looking around at the odds. FanDuel and DraftKings definitely have the easiest app to me to navigate out of all yeah. of them. But, yeah. Um, I've never really looked, you know, obviously we can't wager on golf, yeah. so I haven't looked at, you know, how they're laid out at all uh, on those sites. So I was going to ask you this, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a handicapper, been doing it for a long time. You know what we do. It's all golf, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you're, and you have the unique perspective of also being a caddy on the PJ Tour and seeing how crazy it is for people to gamble on golf firsthand for your job. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we, we've, and, and we've shared this with listeners before, you know, we do our best. We absolutely do our best. We research the hell out of this stuff because it's fun and that's part of the process for us, but it's a, it's a tough sport. It's a really, really tough sport to handicap because of the insane amount of unknowns. And after almost nine years and like meeting a lot of these players and talking to these players and caddies and their coaches and their agents and walking the, you know, walking in the ropes with them for certain practice rounds and like realizing all that you don't know. Right. Like, tell me, like, just give me your perspective of like how, basically like how, how dumb are we that we have to, that we do this? Well, I don't, I don't think you're dumb at all. I think, you know, just listening to your show and following you, I think you put a lot of research uh, into your plays and it's, but it could come down to like the, I mean, golf is so wacky. It's yeah. so wacky. It's like anything could happen. Like, you know, you're just thinking, okay, this guy's just hidden into the woods, right? As an example, even when I'm playing my NASA's with my buddies, like he's hidden into the woods, he's done. There's no way he's making par or birdie or whatever, right? Then all of a sudden you see him punch out, it runs up to the green, he's got a tap in birdie when you are 150 yards out in the middle of the fairway and you make bogey. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens in that yeah. game. It's crazy. It's nuts. I've seen guys hole in from impossible lives or hole out from impossible lives. It's just, it's a tough, tough sport to bet. Yeah. What, you um, never know. you know, for us, handicapping basically is, is eyeballs from what we see on TV or maybe their social media, if they're active on social media. It's watching golf, watching competitive golf. Mm-hmm. And it's data. It's, you know, it's looking, it's, it's taking all the data that the tour collects, putting it in what we think is a, a, a possibly a predictive model. Yeah. Um, it's understanding the golf course as best we possibly can. And what questions is that course going to ask? And, and, and it's like, you know, sprinkle, 
a, a little bit of course history and a little in some recent form and and that and and off we go right but and, what are and weather right and and weather. of course yes of course weather. and like other than that though you have an inside track at this like talk about all the things that we that we may not we could do all of that we could put together that whole concoction yeah and what's it missing to what's actually going what's going on at home that's yes. it strokes gained home life <laughs> yeah what's going on at home or strokes well, lost. You don't know if a guy's bickering with his wife. You don't know, like, if somebody – you have no idea what's going on in a player's mind and what's happening in their personal lives. You just don't know. You have no idea. Why does it seem like golf, though, that matters so much more? That, I mean, because we also don't really know that in the NBA or the NFL. <laughs> because or- I think – because it matters in golf because you're an individual. You can't pass the ball off to Michael Jordan to go score 50. You yeah. know, you can't, you can't hand it off to Emmett Smith to run for 150 yards. You're, you're all alone. Your caddy can't hit your shots. So I think it matters uh, in that aspect. We may, have, we, we may have listeners that don't know who either one of those guys are, by the way. They're Hall of Famers in both. I love that those are the two names you pulled. Yeah, well, two are the two of the greats. That they are. Great. Yeah, I mean, Jordan, Jordan's the goat. I, I'm not hey, listen, if, you don't, if your followers don't know who those two guys they, they, are. They do. They do. Holy <laughs> moly. Um, like I told you, I'm 53, too. So. I know, I know. Um, but, I mean, you're, you're so right. Like, the home life thing is a, is a thing that we've learned. Uh we learned fairly quickly and we'll never know that there, there will never be any way we could ever know that, you know, it's, um, so it's, it's, it's tough. If it depends, I mean, you may know that like, you know, um, it, I think it depends on how tight you are with that individual's team, if you will, you know, like yeah, if you're having a conversation with his coach and he says, you know, somebody's grandmother is sick or yeah. whatever you know you don't know how that affects your player's mentality going into a round so yeah. i just think it's a, that's that's that one caveat in that sport that you just can't calculate you can't put it in to your little algorithm when yeah. it comes to betting in my, all, yeah i think you're right of of all the the golf bets the types of bets out there right obviously outright winners are the hardest for the most part um yeah they're they're pretty much the hardest so those would be probably negative ev you know not not dynamite bets right um if dynamite were betting golf bets what kind of bets would you be more inclined to bet on hmm um i don't know i'd probably look at like top 25s like finishing in the top 25s for a particular event because you can kind of look back in history and see how well these players played there and they usually play there well again so i'd probably do like top 40 or top 25 type plays yep wouldn't do like i think they have head-to-head matchups i wouldn't do those i wouldn't do i may flip a coin and see okay overall overall winner of the tournament you know i I think that's a coin you could probably narrow it down to five guys maybe but i do like something like the top a guy finishing in the top position bets i love those we love those what um why do you say that about the head-to-heads that's interesting to me because a lot of a lot of 
big, like real professional golf bettors that bet, you know, their units would shame my unit, um, would bet, would bet head to heads in golf. I, again, I think you got to know what's going on in each player's mind and um, in their personal lives. I think it comes down a lot of it comes down to that and whether or not they like the forces. I don't know. I just I just think it's really hard to to bet head to head. These guys are so good. It's very small. Yeah. Um, Razor thin margins there. Yeah, I mean it's like okay if you can see a trend like if a guy's not putting well one week, I mean he may be able to have 10 birdies in a row the next week it's like it's just really hard in my opinion yeah i find personally i i don't do any nor do i give out any round by round head-to-heads because i think that 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 gives you even less of a sample size to go over if you think one player is just a better player or a better fit for a certain course it only gives you 18 holes for him to prove that or there's oh, so you, do a, you do a tournament so a tournament a tournament matchup i don't mind oh i got you but I would prefer the finished position bets over all of it. Yeah. yeah, I think if that's if I were able to do it, that's probably what I would do. Yeah. Okay, so I've got some rapid fire. We had some some folks in our Discord throw out some questions. I say rapid fire. Some of these might be, some of them might not be. And you do not, you are not under any sort of obligation to answer any of these. Okay. We I had some folks. Tip. Yes, you can. I have, we have some folks in the Discord. I just threw it out there. I said I didn't tell them who. I just said we're, we're interviewing a caddy on tour that we've not had on before. What do you want me to ask? And first of all, I got to shout out my boy Dave, uh, DT in Phoenix. He win, He he actually won Nut Hutter of the Week for his work on this because a lot of times I will put out a question like that, and like four people will respond, and I'm like, geez, why do I even do this? But DT, I, he was either high or bored or something but he was looking for something to do because he submitted like a bunch of questions and i'm not going to ask you all of them but i appreciate his efforts so dt we're going to roll with a couple of years to start um all right cheating has been a thing that's come up here recently with that guy alejandro toasty we'll see what comes of him have you ever seen cheating in your tenure and how much of it do you think goes on that we don't hear about uh no i haven't seen cheating outright cheating I haven't seen it. Um, I've seen maybe some questionable sight lines on, you know, balls over hitting over water and drop it, drop areas, but usually the two players sort it out. So, I mean, that's as far as I I've seen as far as uh, cheating goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many with the toasty guy anyway? I don't even know what happened to him. Is it toasty I, I, or toasty? I don't know. One, one or the other. Yeah. I mean, apparently there was an article that dropped that, uh, is, is is alluding to cheating, uh, multiple accusations of cheating, but then also allude uh, multiple stories of him, like going off on people on golf courses. So I don't know. Really? We're, yeah, we're gonna find out about that. Huh. All right. Uh, DT also a degenerate fantasy footballer and best ball drafter. So this is this comes up. He says, "How many fantasy football leagues are there on the PGA Tour? Do, do you know any players or caddies that organize them?" Oh, um, so I think there's quite a few. I'm not in any, but I know like um, uh, Jeremy Elliott, the, the agent for uh, most of the Sea Island guys down there. He runs a, a fantasy league or somebody he knows runs one. Um, yeah, so there's, I think there's a bunch of fantasy leagues that these guys get involved with. Yeah. I don't have the time. to. I'm, I'm focused on trying to make, uh, you know, picks. Yeah. You're, you're- 
you're throwing out sticks and half sticks. Yeah. Um, th- this is how I feel like DT might have been on. Uh, he might have been hitting the vape pen pretty hard or something. He says, <laughs> he says, if you and your pro managed to get the last room at the local Holiday Inn, <laughs> and it was a single king bed, would you sleep together, or would one be forced to the ground? And how would you decide? That? Oh God, hell no. <laughs> No, we we wouldn't sleep together because you know uh, I, I haven't told you this, but I'm not. I won't be working for Davis um, this coming season. I got let go, but he uh, he definitely would be like you're on you're on the floor, you're on the couch, <laughs> which I wouldn't mind because we're in the know, hallway. It, they, yeah. they, see, he wants his alone time. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's definitely more important than I am. I want him to play well, <laughs> so he needs a good night's sleep. This question comes in from our buddy Spaz. Uh, it's a good question. You know, we're we're, we're tight with Gino, and Gino's uh, notorious for documenting really awful places that he stays in. Yeah. Do you have Do you have like a story, or do you can you remember the the sketchiest, just absolute worst place you've stayed in? No, I I don't really have one that sticks out. I mean, you know, you seem wiser to me. I'm always like Gino. What the hell is wrong with you? Like, I think Gino's trying to save a buck or two, and. I was kind of living a little bit more, mm, not luxurious, but I wasn't really concerned about, you know, um, saving a buck or two. Yeah. I I should have been, but I was. But I mean, there's, you can still save a buck or two and not stay at some of the places Gino stayed in. I saw some of his places. I mean, oh my goodness. I don't know if he was just doing that for content or what, but (laughs) he wouldn't catch me in any of those places that he uh, Spaz also says just a, a quick walkthrough of a tournament week prep. So what does Monday through Wednesday look like for you? Yeah, so Monday's usually a travel day. Um, for me personally, I travel either late Sunday night or early Monday morning, get to the location, settle into the hotel, go to the course, register, walk the course if I haven't seen it. If I've seen it, I still may walk it just for something to do. Um, player will usually arrive Monday afternoon. If they want to get some work in, we work. If they don't, it's usually Tuesday morning practice round, 18 holes, putting, range work. Uh, Wednesdays, the pro-am. Um, if they're not in the pro-am, we'll usually, you know, go to the range and work through the bag, do some putting drills, chipping drills, um, or get up real early in the morning and play before the pro-am. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Thursday through Sunday, you're, you're, it's game time. How often did you find Davis was doing 18 on Tuesday? Because we know, I mean, most of the guys I talked to were 9 and 9. 9 on Tuesday, 9 on Wednesday. I guess yeah. when you're a rookie, you probably want to get more. Yeah, right. So oftentimes Davis wasn't in the pro-am on Wednesday. So if you're in the pro-am on Wednesday, they'll tell you, okay, you're playing the back nine on Wednesday at one o'clock. So you'd play the front nine on Tuesday, back nine on Wednesday in the pro-am. So there's your 18 holes, but yeah, we're playing 18 often on Tuesdays, the full 18. Yeah. Uh, Spaz with a few more good ones here that are kind of quick. What else is in the yardage book that isn't yardage? Do you have, have you marked where porta potties are <laughs> and things like that? That's great. That's a great question, Spence. I can go no, to that. I've never, I've never marked where the porta potties are. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but they have compass in there, which is yeah. important for uh, for wind. Um, 
and then obviously the bunkers are in, all marked in there. Um, and yeah, that's that's and, pretty much. And, and then Spaz said, "Do you feel like you have to feed or hydrate your pl- your player like they're a child?" What's that? Spaz said, "Do you feel like you have to feed and hydrate your player like they're your child?" Yeah, I think that's one of the most uh, important things you can do. Yeah, Just keep them hydrated and um, and have snacks in the bag. I mean, you never want to be without snacks or or water i mean that's such a little thing but it's so big like the worst thing is the feeling you get if you don't have water in your bag and your player says can i have water and you look in the bag and there's no water you forgot to get one or you're busy doing something else and it's little but it adds up to a big thing i know for me personally like especially when i'm playing golf in the heat like if i don't have the right like just the right amount of something on my stomach food wise, even if it's not like, I don't want to eat like a full meal yet, but you know, if I'm playing at a time where it's like between meals or I'm not going to eat till after the round, if I don't have like something, even like a little sugar and I get shaky, it's not a good feeling. So it it is, I know it's important. Right. I mean, these guys are playing for their livelihood. They're playing for millions of dollars. You know, you, (laughs) that, if you're shaking over a, you know, a three foot slider, I mean, (laughs) that's not good. Not good. Uh, how many pairs of shoes do you go through during a season? And do you have any tricks to make sure your feet make it through? Um, I don't have any tricks. I go through a lot of shoes. I, that's one of the things I would do when Davis made a cut, I'd buy a new pair of uh, Jordan ones. Every so, time I made a cut? Yeah. So <laughs> I've cut about 20 pairs of uh, Jordan ones. So you're caddying in the Jays. I was about to ask if you were like doing the Hoka thing or something. No, I've tried. I, I, I've tried Hoka's. I've tried running shoes. The Nike shoes that they sent me are terrible. Like just, I need a flat shoe. And um, those seem to work the best. Gotcha. Um, and they're stylish. Somebody, DT says, and I know the answer to this. Does the, does the tour player's clothing deal cover you? No, it does not. Do yeah. you ever, it does? Yeah. So. What do you mean cover me? They'll send me boxes of stuff. Oh, they will. I don't get. I didn't get compensated for wearing it, but they'll send me right. a bunch of stuff. Okay, that was that was his next question. Do you get oh. stuff from the same from the sponsor? Yeah, yeah. I like it. Um. Okay. This is this is now now they're getting really weird. I can tell the vape pen was really hitting in here. Uh. Okay. Is if there was. This is the last one. If there was one person on the PGA Tour you had to fight, who would it be? Follow-up, who would surprise us in a fight, you think? And you're, you know, you're a Lowell, Massachusetts guy, so, I mean, you kind of know. You've probably, you probably been in a few you know, fisticuffs before, so you, this, you're probably a good person to ask. I'm a little weird. Like, you know, sometimes I'll think to myself, geez, I could, I could really lay that guy out. <laughs> <laughs> and other times I'm like, Ooh, that guy would be tough as shit. You, know, like, <laughs> you look at a guy like Brooks Kepka, right? And you're like, that kid's built like a linebacker. You're like, I probably wouldn't fuck with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, what about one that would surprise you? As like a tough guy? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it doesn't look like much, but probably would, you know, crawl on your head and do something weird. Shit, I don't know, man. Um, dang. Give me a second. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to think of like the Canadians. I think Terrell Hatton would probably be a 
a uh, little bulldog. Like, I think he might be a little nuts in the head. You could sell me on that, but then you could also sell me on him just being a total bitch because of all the whining and it's just the pissing and moaning all the time. And then when he like gets punched in the mouth, he doesn't. <laughs> well, he, he can't handle it. We had. I had the. I love him. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I had the pleasure of flying with him, um, and he was so good, so funny, so nice, like complete opposite of what you would see on TV. So, but I do think he's scrappy. Like, I think he would, Yeah. I think he'd go after you. Like a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick, I think, you know, I bet you Jordan Spieth would be kind of tough. Really? Yeah, I think he would be tough to get down and I think he'd put up a fight. Eh, I don't know. You don't I, think so, huh? I You're not buying it. I don't see it with Jordan. No. I'm trying to just go through the Ryder Cup team right now. What do you think about Brian Harmon? I think he's short. I think um, he might be able to take a punch. Kind of scrappy, though, maybe? Yeah. Megacorp guy. Yeah, he's a mega. I don't even know what the hell that is. but uh, I don't know either, but it sounds really scary. Yeah, I think he'd be, I think he'd, he'd be scrappy. I think he'd, he wouldn't quit. No, no, no. He would not. Um, thoughts on the Ryder Cup, by the way. What do you think? What do you think about overall? Teams, selections, odds? When you look at the Ryder Cup odds, have you looked at them? Um, I mean, I looked just out of curiosity, I looked and I noticed that the Europeans were underdogs and, um, I may get a lot of haters, but I think their team is, looks pretty damn good. Um, I think there's value in that, in that line that they've created. Agree. I think it started out at plus 130. I think it's down to plus 115 or 120. So I think it's worth, uh, worth a play nothing against the u.s but i'm just looking at from a value standpoint yeah 100 percent. i've been saying that for a couple months now yeah um, should be interesting plus it's on their soil so it's like i yeah. don't know why they're underdogs i think there's a lot if you look at that usa lineup i think there's a lot of turmoil going on and a lot of guys not in good form dude so, we said it, man. Me and Pat were on site in Paris when our team on paper looked way better than the current team on paper. Mm. And we got destroyed. Yeah. So by, by yeah. little Francesco Molinari and Tommy Ladd, like those, those two guys kicked our ass. I know. All week. Kicked Tiger, Phil, JT. Speed. Well, not JT. JT actually was our only. He pretty good. He was only. Do you, like, do you think he was deserving of a, a spot on the team? For for like the last sixty days leading up to it, I was very anti JT being on the team, and I did He's videos good. about it. And then like the last forty eight hours, I don't know if something came to me in a dream. I don't remember a dream, but in like the last forty eight hours, right before the captain's picks, I completely flip-flop i think he's kind of i think he's kind of and i know this is terrible because it's supposed to be a meritocracy and all this but i i think this the Ryder cup just because of what it is and how it works and the format and the 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 country the play for your country factor that you can't measure on paper but matters has earned him one you know 
one okay dude like one favor in your career yeah. right like yeah. and, and i think this i think this is it he's got an incredible record in in match play he's got everything to prove here um the europeans don't like him i mean in terms of during the Ryder cup he he's a menace right and and he's he's kind of the only real menace we have at this point like nobody else i mean other than just being really damn good at golf but like we don't have patrick reed we don't have phil we don't have tiger playing mind games or pissing people off like jt kind of does that he's he annoys them and yeah Yeah. there's all these other little factors so i I just kind of convinced myself with the 48 hours leading up to it that he's earned this one yeah i agree with you and look when he plays the fortinet if he sucks if he goes to if he goes to Rome and he's playing practice rounds and he sucks, we can bury him. We can bury him. He can be a team guy and we can bury him till singles or yeah. you know, whatever we have to do. Right, right, right. Yeah, I like your assessment. I think you're right. I think he's he's it's not like, oh man, this guy didn't deserve it. He's you know, he's earned that right for your like, here's your chance, you know, like kind of yeah. giving you uh, yeah. a mulligan, or it's not a mulligan, but it's like a, a free pass to show us that you deserve it. And I've said and this, with that comes a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've but said he, this, but he wanted it. Yeah, so. I, I've said this on the show many times. One of my favorite quotes is from football coach Bruce Arians: "Be who you can afford to be." JT can afford to get this one thing, like this yeah. this one little slip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some guys that, that playing playing as he's played leading up to it would not Cam Young. Yeah, you, you didn't do it. You, you don't have enough equity built into this thing to overcome the recent play. Yeah. Um, yeah. But JT has quite the body of work, and he is the team guy, and he is a guy that everybody on that team loves and wants on there, and he's a menace to Europe. If he can go over there and be a menace to Europe and, and pull something out of his hat you know, and, and do his thing, then, then I'm all for that. I actually have a bigger problem with the Sam Burns pick. Yeah. Um, and I'm a Sam Burns guy. I like Sam Burns. I hit, hit him 50-1 to one at the match play. Yeah. I had Burns and Young on the nice, card. Nice hit. We actually played Cam Young in our opening round. He shot uh he had three threes on the back nine. I mean, excuse me, nine threes on the back nine. Unreal. Yeah. Um, he was at the front nine. I don't know. We were five down after nine holes. And, <laughs> and we took him to sixteen. I say we. Davis took him to sixteen holes. So Yeah. He was fighting. Yeah. I remember that match now. You you guys were a hell of a group right there, wasn't? Um, oh my gosh, they shot lights out. I mean, it was a birdie barrage, birdies and eagles, I should say. But but in your in your in your four, wasn't yeah, it a really murderous row of guys? It was um it was Cam Young, Davis Thompson, Sepp Straka, and Corey Connors. Uh, okay, yeah. So just you oh, know, solid guys, solid group. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, listen. Dynamite Dean, I can't let you out of here without some picks. All right. And um, college football week two coming up. You got any, you got any thoughts? You got any leans, any sticks we need to throw down on a couple of games? Yeah. I mean, I like to look at the lines when they first come out. So I'll, I'll jot some things down and uh, just kind of assess them as the week goes on, see where the money comes in, see if the lines move, things of that nature. I don't want to give away all my secrets. Of course. But, but I've got, Three. Okay. Three plays that I'm eyeing. Uh, first one is North Texas against Florida International University, FIU. I like uh, North Texas. Or that's where I'm leaning. 
The next one is um, Texas and Alabama. Is the North? Te- is this a spread? A money line? What is this? Yeah, it's a spread. Spread. What's the spread? I think it opened at uh, twelve, so I'll be okay. watching that one. Um, Texas, Alabama. I like the over fifty-four and a half. That's um, going to be such a huge game. And then lastly, Arkansas against Kent State. I think that one opened at thirty-seven. So those are three that jumped out that I'm eyeing. I may make a play on them. I may not. And you'll have to stay tuned and watch the Dynamite show. Uh, yes. Or I'm gonna. I'm also gonna ask you to to drop those in our Discord if whenever you land on those. Oh yeah, yeah. I can do that. Um, can I? Let's see if I can pull this up. You mentioned you mentioned something. I'm gonna get you out of here with this. This this kind of went viral today. What does this look like? The dynamite. You're going to be like, what the hell is going on on this show? If you want to hang up on me, you can. What does this look like to you? Uh, those look like breaths. <laughs> and okay. that's a, uh, is that a, is that a bolt? That's an Arkansas pig. I think up in the right, isn't it? And the Nike logo. They look like my breasts. <laughs> Stop. No, they do not. Picture. You ready? Picture you ready? Man. You ready? Yeah. Oh, that's the head coach. Yeah, those are. I got boobs like that. No, you do not. That those are Sam Pittman's tits. Yeah, pretty close. But how good do they look here, though? If you just cropped them out yeah. there, <laughs> you're just like, dude, that is a that is some Arkansas milf. <laughs> but then, yeah, I'm not. I'm not far off. Shut up. I'm yes, not far are. off. Dude, I think Sam Pittman's in a class of his own, brother. That is yeah, a those, that is world. Those are world. Those class are the meaty breasts, right front there. Front bags, there, buddy. God. <laughs> All right, let's. Yeah, he does. Um, tell the people. So the Instagram is what. Uh, the Dynamite Show. The Dynamite Show on Instagram. You yep. got merch. You're selling the hats. You got. Yep. A, I saw, dude. I saw yesterday. You have a tour visor too. Yeah, I got visors, hats. I just went to the. Uh, the promotions place ordered some bucket hats. Um, some sweatshirts are coming. Yeah, I got I got some stuff. We're gonna reload and uh, redo the website and put some good stuff on there. Uh, head covers, putter covers. Are you like getting that. to do those? What's that? Are you getting to do those? The head cover. Uh, stitched did the driver covers, nice. the putter covers. You know, Zach Blair's company did the putter covers. Mm. Yep. The Box Club. Yep. I yeah. like the, the stitch stuff's good too. Uh, Pat is going to really want to make sure he gets a tour visor. He's a big tour visor guy. I am not a tour visor guy or a bucket hat guy. All I don't right. do one of those. But Pat's well, going to want a tour visor. Send me your address and I'll send okay. down a little bag for you. Praise God, baby. Uh, Dynamite Dean Emerson, check him out. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again and you'll be a part of the Discord. Mix it up with you all year. Right on. Thanks, Stevie.